Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. are set in the Champions League as Chelsea takes care of business against Lille. And wow, oh wow, Unai Emery, for the first time in his career, makes it to the quarterfinals in the Champions League as he gives Max Allegri a dose of his own medicine. And look who's here to join us. You know what? I was going to wait for a dramatic entrance for Jonathan Johnson, but he pops up like a beautiful Brit who lives in France, French who used to be a Brit. I don't know. Jonathan Johnson, how are you, buddy? Welcome. Welcome here. How are you? Hey there, guys. Great to be on. Uh, just uh, just about made it by the skin of my teeth. No need for the villain theme this time. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Johnson, welcome, welcome. Jimmy Conrad! Jimmy's a big star right now. I'll explain in a second why, but whoa, whoa. Jimmy Conrad, you, you've always been a big star, but you're whoa, a bigger whoa. star now. You're a bigger star. No, I, I was going to say that I was hoping you were going to say that JJ was like a salmon swimming, swimming upstream and <laughs> jumping out of a sunlit lake, you know, going uh, but maybe if Lil had won, then maybe he'd be. Oh, mm. that's true. I should have. I should have. But I can't. But, but I can't. But I can do in your imagination, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, and I'm excited to get into these games. Let's Absolutely, and of course, Lahoud, Michael Lahoud, welcome back to the show, buddy. You're looking very dapper today. How are you? Uh, thank you. I, I call me the professor because I, I I don't know why, but I just felt like dressing up like a professor today. So the the professor, I like it. The professor, and you look like you're in a. Somebody's taking you hostage, Michael. <laughs> we need some more frame pictures behind you. He's a smart-looking yeah. smart hostage. I like what. Oh yeah, hey, <laughs> yeah, you, got, you gotta sell it. You gotta sell it to someone. They're treating now. you well. Whoever took you for hostage, they gave you some nice. I'm, you know what it is? I'm rewatching Homeland, so I just got a got the, a, a lot of that uh, action. Hi everybody! Thank you so much for the comments already. Hi, hi, hi. How's it going? Welcome to the Champions League. Giggle Lasso Wednesday recap. Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad, Michael LaHood will be talking about tonight's action. And of course, the final eight is set, my friends. And some of you perhaps expected some of these teams. Some of you didn't. We will see. But before we get into that, by the way, I want to let you know we've got a $100 Paramount Plus gift card to give away today. To thank you. Well, actually, we're going to give it away in the weekend preview, but we're going to figure it out today. To thank you for all the support, 10,000 plus subscribers on YouTube. All you got to do, this is very easy, drop your handle in the chat, either your Instagram or your Twitter, and tell us who you think is going to win the Champions League. You can just say one team name. That's it. I don't need an essay, right? Give us the handle name. Who you think is going to win the Champions League? And our producer, Des Norris, or Lisa Roman, who's standing in today, will pick out one lucky viewer to enjoy the prize. And we'll announce today's winner in the weekend preview. And you'll get a DM from our producer via Kegolaso. So make sure that you let us know the team that you think is going to win the Champions League and the handle. Before we get into any more as well, by the way, in soccer, we trust. 
podcast. We are opening our family, everybody. Look at this. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, Charlie mm. Davis. Wow, teammates and now hosts. Yeah, we well, sound like a, 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 like a the show. well, we sound like an injury lawyers, you know. If you, <laughs> have you been in an accident? We'll call Conrad Davis and Pierce at 1 800 injury now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm uh, excited. I'm excited. Yeah, Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna dive in and 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 get into some of the fun stuff around U.S. men's national team. I got to interview Jordan Morris. That that happened today. That'll be out cool. in a little while. So yes, we're we're coming out uh, firing in this one. And of course, we have some big games coming up, and then the World Cup draw. Once we qualify, of course, I'm very confident, and then we'll take it from there. But uh, the roster announcements happening tomorrow night. So I'm excited to to get into that. That'll be our very first episode. So it's exciting. And soccer, we trust. Let's go. So many great things about this. Well done. I'm so happy. Jimmy, by the way, and Heath will still be part of Kegolasso. We're just not going to hear or see them as much as you think because they're going to put a lot of attention in soccer. We trust Michael. You're going to be, you know, uh, you know, going from one to the other, hopefully, right? Jumping in on in soccer. We trust, of course, because there's a lot of MLS talk and, you know, obviously international talk. And obviously we'll bring you back here as well. You're excited about that? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's nuts because so jimmy was a former teammate of mine heath was a former teammate of mine <laughs> charlie and i i felt like we were teammates because we'd bump into each other all around the world so it, it's really awesome to see familiar faces doing well yeah it's gonna be great and you too as well and jonathan johnson i think we can safely say that we never have to say the names christian pulisic ever again here on <laughs> are you happy about that <laughs> Hey, it's not it's, it's not always that bad. Um, picking, through the, picking through the Champions League bones with you guys, even if it does come at the expense of a French team. I mean, of course, you had to score in both legs, but uh, no, it's uh, I'm 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 excited for this. There's so much great content uh, coming out from uh, from all the guys in the team all the time. So really, really excited to uh, see what Jimmy and uh, and and Heath have uh, cooking up for us. Absolutely, <laughs> it's going to be great. In soccer, we trust. Make sure that you uh, there's already a Twitter account. Make sure that you follow them make sure that you go on youtube and subscribe as well by the way um because all the commentary it's three times a week but there's going to be much more and as jimmy said by the way the first one drops tomorrow jimmy right it does yes around the more roster announcement so we're excited to see who is on it and who is being left off i'm sure there's gonna be plenty to talk about I love it. I love it. In soccer, we trust. Well, in soccer, we trust here as well. And in the Champions League, we trust. Well, not so much if you're Max Lady, I guess, but we'll talk about that <laughs> in a second. Let's begin with uh, the game that, you know, we might as well get it on, get it, get on with it, uh, Jonathan Johnson. Lille against Chelsea. There was a little bit of hope at the beginning of this game due to that penalty. Of course, you thought maybe there was some kind of comeback, but no, Chelsea, uh, despite the off-the-field issues, make it happen, go through against Lille. Give me your thoughts overall about this game and, you know, the valiant, I guess, uh, albeit unsuccessful effort of Lille against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, this one kind of went the way that I thought it would. In fact, I think I pr I predicted a two one, and I predicted Lille scoring first. So kind of kind of good 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 to at least get that part right. No, I mean, obviously disappointing from a French point of view that Lille Lille crash out. But to be honest, it was expected. It was expected even before the first leg uh, played. You know, they gave a good account of themselves, and I think that's the the, the most we probably could have asked for, really, in this scenario. Uh, I, I will say that I think it is impressive, um, sort of what Tuchel and the, this Chelsea side are doing at the moment, sort of blocking out all of that noise uh, around the team, just focusing, you know, getting down to it, 
uh, grinding out these results. That's five straight wins now in all competitions, uh, you know, and uh, they're going to face a testing uh atmosphere at the Riverside Stadium, partly of their own making this weekend. Um, so I'm curious to see how that one plays out before the international break. But just so many questions around Chelsea, uh, pretty much all of them uh, off the pitch at this moment in time. But, uh, you know, I think logically Chelsea were the were, were the, the team that was always going to progress here. And, uh, you know, logic prevailed this time. Yeah, I'll jump in and say, Christian Pulisic, baby, let's go. The LeBron James of soccer. LeBron James of soccer. Did you see that? You saw that, right, JV? Unbelievable. Saw, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, the, Le, Le, LeBron with the Pulisic shirt. Which is amazing as well. But there's just a lot of Pulisic love, and deservedly so. He's in great form right now, which obviously is great for us on the In Soccer We Trust podcast. Shameless yeah, plug. Go, and go. for the World Cup qualifying window and, and for everything else that we need him to step up and be the guy for us in those really important games. But what I really liked about Chelsea was that Jorginho had actually had a pretty poor first half. The, the penalty was called on him. But he ended up playing a very, very nice pass to Christian Pulisic that, so he could hit it first time. I don't know if that was spoke about enough in the commentary where the weight of that pass was really something special and a way for Jorginho in particular to totally redeem himself to get the game level again, but a nice tidy finish from Christian Pulisic for me. And I'm kind of curious about JJ's thoughts on this after we hear from Lahizel over there, Mike LaHood <laughs> is, is that, that, that the, the set piece or whatever the cross that ended up uh, Leal hit off the, the, the post that for me was almost the the because a couple minutes later it felt like a couple minutes later Chelsea hit the back of the net off of Aspilicueta's knee when Timo Weah was uh, caught sleeping unfortunately at the back post but it's a game of fine margins and I think Chelsea have enough experience in this to to really see it through and it's just unfortunate for Lille I thought they actually were were pretty positive and I, I didn't mind their lineup so much and I liked their intensity but sometimes those those little plays make the biggest difference and we're talking inches with the post and obviously if team away has switched on or something a little bit different happens on that other one they could have maybe got a draw to this maybe a draw was a deserved result that doesn't see him through but uh you know they're not too far off of it i think obviously they have some work to do uh, we all know a little bit about leo's situation after winning Liga last season to now being in sixth or seventh mm -hmm. mid-table and not really being that threatening but uh congratulations to chelsea i just want to say also thomas tuchel has set a new record for champions league games one in his first 50 he's got 32 mm -hmm. wins out of 50 games uh, before that was Zinedine Zidane, who's now in second with 31. Wow. So, so shout out to Tuchel. He knows what he's doing in these competitions. JJ knows it well. Makes me wonder if PSG regrets letting Thomas Tuchel go. But conversation for another time. Take it away, LaHood. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. The, the, the person who deserves the most credit, yes, Pulisic is coming up with the goals, is Thomas Tuchel. To be the manager of a Chelsea, forget team, organization that's falling apart, that is no easy task. To get this team bound together and playing like a team, it's incredible. The work he did last year to deliver the Champions League is one thing. If he's to maintain Champions League soccer and, say, get to the semifinal round, build a statue next to Dennis Wise. <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, this wow. is – yeah, I'm telling you. This is incredible. Wow. Maybe maybe trash the statue if they lose next game. But <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it doesn't take away from the fact that this guy is such a good manager, doesn't get talked about enough. I think the bad press that Chelsea's getting, deservedly so because of Abramovich and, and that dealings with you know the world game and politics, um, it, it just doesn't do enough service for what this Chelsea team is doing. And a, a player that I thought he was a little bit 
kind of missing in this game was Kai Havertz. He's been their main goal-scoring threat in the past two months. I thought him and Pulisic, they have an understanding. Havertz likes to start central. And his ability to have that free roll to drop deep off the shoulders of the two Lille defensive midfielders is such a handful to deal with. And also he likes to drift out wide. That interchange between him and Pulisic, that's a handful. Mind you, Romelu Lukaku is still coming off the bench in the 74th minute of games for Chelsea FC, and they are progressing to this next stage. Yeah, good point. Yeah, Mike raised some uh, really good points there. And I mean, I kind of feel like it's uh, it's almost kind of a trivial observation at this moment in time that Tuchel is actually outlasting a board, which is not usually the trend uh, with him. But, uh, you know, I think this... The way that he's handled himself during this crisis at this moment in time is really testament to, I think, all the lessons that he's learned from his spells with PSG, from his spells with Borussia Dortmund. Uh, you know, he's had the success that that he certainly merits for for, for his managerial ability, uh, and now we're seeing it sort of in all its glory in the fact that he's managing to keep this Chelsea side together as a coherent outfit while everything else is just you know going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, away from the pitch. Uh, going back to, to Jimmy's point about uh, Lille's chance uh, when they hit the woodwork in the match. Yeah, you're right. They're, those are the fine margins. I would love to have known what Lille could have done with Renato Sanchez fitting on the pitch because mm-hmm. he's made such a difference for them. We saw how good he was in that first leg. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd have loved for, for, for Hatim Ben Arfa to have been sort of a wild card uh, from the start of the game to see you know, how much he's got in the tank left, uh, you know, given his age these days, because he's one of those players who, you know, if he feels like it on the night can still be a world beater. So many players who have played alongside him say that, you know, he's as good as Messi, if not better, but you know, it's, it, it just wasn't to be for Lille, unfortunately, uh, but, but kudos to Chelsea for, for getting it done, grinding it out. And I'm really curious to see how they, who they get in the, in the quarterfinals now, but obviously there is this uh, sort of shadow hanging over Chelsea and the fact that they're, we're now hearing that they might even be playing any future Champions League games for the remainder of this season behind closed doors. What I'll jump in and say is that at least they're used to it with the pandemic. It's not like this completely, That's you true. know, something they've never yeah. gone through before. Yeah, I know they're gonna. They're probably gonna cry about it and all that good stuff. That's uh, they're already crying about it with Middlesbrough. So we know we're gonna cry about it in the Champions League. <laughs> Shout out to all you Chelsea fans out there. Just just deal with it. You're into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. <laughs> what I'll say very quickly though about the players is that being in a situation once, and maybe I talked about this before on the pod, where Kansas City, the owners of the Lamar Hunt family, were gonna move us to San Antonio, Lamar Hunt and his family, and it didn't happen. But the distractions are outside. Your family, your family, your friends, your agents, everybody wants to know, journalists, are you moving? Will you stay in? Are you going to go? And you don't have answers. And that's what's the most frustrating thing. And what ends up being the safest place for you where you can be yourself and relax yeah. is on the field. And, and I'm not surprised that Chelsea's on this good run of form for these, for these reasons, because this is where they can just they can control what they can control on the field. And I wouldn't be surprised if they made a, a nice run in both the Premier League and the Champions League. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I love actually, what you said about that, Jimmy. Uh, sorry, Jonathan. But I love what you said about that, Jimmy, because your experienced players, your Cesar Aspilicueta, your, your Thiago Silva's, this is why they are in the team. They are the calming influences. Mind you, the Romelu Lukaku debacle, that's now a forgotten business. Yes, that's in the background, but you're no longer distracted by that. It's a bigger mm-hmm. situation, but some of the inner workings of this team that were ailing the team when Lukaku and that whole thing was a big distraction are no longer there. Now you can focus on winning games and doing the best you can throughout the rest of the season. 
So sorry for almost interrupting you, Mike. Um, so I actually had a question because it had been on my mind to ask Jimmy this for a while. Uh, I, sh- I should really be checking up in my uh, MLS uh, uh, his- history books. But am I right in thinking that you were at Chivas USA around about the time that the team... <laughs> me and, me and Mike Lahoud. Yes. Yeah, but both of you. Well, then th- yeah. this is actually a really interesting question for both of you. Like, what is it like sort of being part of a team where you don't actually know sort of that whether the team is going to continue to exist sort of in the next few weeks and months, because at the end of the day, until Chelsea's takeover actually, you know, gets done, gets signed off, it's, it's something they're facing. You know, we could see Chelsea go bankrupt if there is not a new owner found by the end of May. I'll say, and I'll go first here, Mike, that I remember leaning in and watching the body language of the people that we thought had the information, our sporting Mm. director, our general manager, our team president. So anytime he'd be walking around or he'd come into the locker room, I'd be watching his body language. Is he anxious? Is he tense? What's happening? Yes, he definitely looked anxious and tense. So I knew we weren't getting (laughs) the the answers that we wanted to hear and that the club was probably not in a good way. And you could feel the ownership group pulling money out or not spending any more money and them having to be creative. Mike and I would have to go do some crazy appearances, you know, to to kind of fulfill some obligations, some contractual obligations, but it was pretty thin and bare bones. And you knew then that this, this, that, that team wasn't going in the right direction. And I think now that the Phoenix has risen again, it's called LAFC now, Chivas USA (laughs) 2.0, but, but uh, they learned a lot of valuable lessons throughout that experiment. And it's unfortunate it didn't work out, but I think it's all worked out for the better. I was a young player and Jimmy was our captain and one of our captains during his time there. Mm -hmm. And as a young player going through that, you lean on the experience of your elder statesman. Gosh, I'd I'd be (laughs) at your house, Jimmy, (laughs) probably more times than I can count, trying to to gain understanding of what's going on. And and this is how vital senior leadership is within Mm, a team, is the Jimmys, the Alejandro Morenos. They would pull me aside and we would do extra training, extra work, and keep your mind on playing. The Mason Mounts, the, the Chelsea Academy products that have come through the academy system and are in the first team, they are going to need the Aspilicuetas. They're going to need the Thiago Silvas to calm the waters because there's still a lot to salvage from the season. Yeah, that's a really good point and a great question there, Jonathan Johnson. And by the way, just to... Uh comment a little bit on what Jonathan Johnson was saying by the way yes Chelsea could play these games behind closed doors there's other things like of course three uh, the one of their main if not the main sponsor have completely uh, you know removed their relationship from the club but in terms of the sale which clearly for every Chelsea fan at this point that's the most important thing that needs to happen uh, as soon as possible but it does have a, a time limit so to speak obviously and the updates on that one, by the way, the understanding is now that there's a consortium being built in order to create a bid. Whether they get, you know, that uh, three billion uh, request, I really doubt it. I believe it's about two point five billion pounds, which is the bid. But we will see. And obviously, this also depends on the UK government, et cetera. Sounds et cetera. like Doctor Evil. Two point five <laughs> billion dollars. <laughs> I hope they have sharks with freaking lasers on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. But anyway, uh, let's take a break, everybody. When we come back, we will talk about the debacle that was Juventus. And the fact that now, you know, three teams from La Liga in the final eight, zero from Serie A. And we'll discuss as well about what we expect as well from these final eight and Europa League as well, because that's still going on. So, Kigo Lasso, 
Champions League Wednesday recap. Michael Who, Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, LME will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. Get go Lasso Champions League Wednesday recap. This was it of the round of 16. Now we're in the final eight. But before we go into that, and as well, by the way, there was some Premier League action today as well. We'll talk about that in a second. But wanted to talk about Juventus and Villarreal. This was always going to be an intriguing matchup, obviously. Max Allegri against Unai Emery, a manager that's very experienced in Europe. Well, both of them, right? But Unai Emery has never really gone beyond the round of 16 in the Champions League. He visits... Juventus and 3-0 on the night. Unbelievable. Michael, let's begin with you. What did you expect in this game? And now I guess it was a dose of Max Allegri's own medicine mm. from Unai Emery. Is that what you saw? I, I thought it was a dose of Unai Emery's own medicine on Max Allegri. <laughs> right. this, this is the DNA of Uriel. This is the DNA of Unai Emery playing with these mid-table at times La Liga teams when he gets into European competition. This is how he ended up winning the Europa League, is defense first. It was a battle of the 4-4-2 system. Juve in the 4-4-2, Villarreal in the 4-4-2. And the, the goal of the game was do not allow anything centrally. And I thought Juve were very poor in the final third in terms of quality. Vlahovic and Morata, they were off on the night. I think of the, the chance in the 15th minute where neither of them looked like they wanted to score the goal. Vlahovic with the back heel, Morata was there. Didn't want to take the shot. Quadrado tried to do something fancy. And it's, come on, man. You play for one of the biggest clubs in Europe, one of the biggest clubs in Italy. And for the last eight, nine years, the biggest team in Italy, you get paid the big big bucks to smash that in the back of the net. When you don't do that at this stage of Champions League soccer, you will get punished. It doesn't matter if the other team is defensive. They have the quality. And I was waiting for Moreno to come in the game. And when he came, he delivered. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I, I, I must be something of like a resident expert on like mental capitulations in the Champions League by this point. <laughs> but it just really feels like Juve kind of like froze at that moment when they conceded because they'd, you know, they, they'd kind of been that pressure building up on them, knowing that they need to get the goal if they're going to advance. 
uh, and then sort of thinking like, okay, you know, we're going to see this out uh, at nil nil and go to extra time, and then suddenly Villarreal they take the lead, and then Juve it's like it's taken all of the wind out of them. They know that it's going to be this massive uphill task for them to even get a goal to force it to extra time. Uh, you know, and they know that they need to score twice if they want to to even kill it before the end of the ninety minutes. So, for for me, it was just interesting to see that happening. It must have felt great for Unai Emery to not be on the receiving end of that sort of. Uh, capitulation and instead, you know, just watching the Juve players, just, I mean, basically just giving up in that final 12 minutes. I mean, there was no there was no need for Juve to, you know, to, to get beaten 3-0. Sure, 1-0, maybe 2-0, but, you know, to, to concede three goals in the space of 12 minutes, uh, you know, I think that just showed that, it, you know, they really sort of switched off uh, after conceding that goal and, and, and basically threw in the towel, which, uh, you know, I think for Allegri would be really disappointing. But I also think as well, had Juve gone through, it probably would have papered over some of the cracks. We've seen a bit of a resurgence from them in Serie A in recent weeks, but there's a lot of work to do with this Juve squad. I mean, there's a, there's quite a few teams in Europe, uh, you know, still progressing in the Champions League, like Real, for example, where despite the fact that they're going deep, uh, you know, there is still a major overhaul needed in, in terms of personnel. And I think Juve are going to be busy this summer because there's a lot of, I wouldn't say necessarily dead wood, but players that don't necessarily fit right in that squad, certainly not with Allegri in charge. Yeah, it's tough. I think that the 3-0 results, and I love what Mike and, and JJ have said about this, isn't reflective of the game. I mean, the first half... Juve had some really clear-cut chances. Uh, Rui in goal for Villarreal was excellent. And they didn't take those chances. And we talked about it. Vlahovic, you know, it, I, that's why they bought him. You, you don't pay that the amount of money for him not to, to step up and score those goals. But this isn't isolated to Vlahovic. This is what? the fourth consecutive time that they've been knocked out in the round of 16 against inferior. Uh, it's, it's, also, it's also, it's also only a second uh, Champions League game. Right, right. So you got to take that into consideration too. This is a new thing for Vlahovic. And he uh, started off well, scoring in the first 30 seconds. But And he was busy today. I thought he was busy. He was direct. I liked the first half from Juve. I'll just throw it out there and say I actually liked the way that they played. I assumed they were going to sit back because they're sometimes cautious under Allegri, but they didn't. And I was like, all right, this is a Juve team I can I can maybe watch a little bit more because they're not making it hard for me to watch them. But but in the second half, something happened. And you're right, JJ, when that penalty happens, they just dropped off. And I think it just proved that Rugani, never living up to his potential, he was supposed to be the, the heir apparent to Benucci and Chiellini. Both of those guys were out. They missed their presence. McKinney, I think, could have done really well in those half spaces and take those chances and take those risks that maybe some of the other midfielders for Juve don't do consistently. We saw it a little bit from Locatelli and, and Rabio today. And even Archer tried to, to do something. Zachary, I think, was missed. And then if they had Chiesa, I mean, if you have Dybala comes off the bench, my one issue here, they have some quality, and you're right, there's going to have to be some changes this summer. But I don't understand why Allegri waited until the 69th minute to make his first sub. It was clear that whatever they were trying to do offensively, it wasn't working. So you got to bring somebody on. And if you got Dybala and you're waiting to give him, or the 79th minute he brought him in, it, like you give him 10 minutes, you give Dybala 10 minutes. Like, dude, give that guy at least 30 to go out there, even if he's not 100%. He still has a little bit of that magic some, that some of your other midfielders don't. And I thought that was a big mistake. And and uh, I don't know. I think Allegri got some of this wrong, but it's unfortunate they didn't take their chances. Fair play to Villarreal. It looked very eerily similar to the Europa League final last season against Manchester United where everybody sacked behind the ball and then Gerard Reno scored on a set piece and they took their one chance and 
and try to force players that aren't very good with playing it to try to play out of the back and looking at you, Lindelof and Bailly. And, and it works, right? They got the penalties and they made it work. But that's tough. Gonna, it's tough. Go ahead. Take it. I, you know, I was going to say that there's an argument to be, you know, there, there, there's an, you know, th I think uh, a lot of the argument is going to be, well, Juventus were missing some key players. Well, so were Villarreal, actually, because Moreno uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. didn't come in until later, by the way. Allegri, by the way, said after the game, we played well for 75 minutes. Unfortunately, in football, there are such situations you have to accept it. It's interesting, uh, that kind of language uh, there. I, I, I see it as simple as this. I agree, Jimmy. I think Juventus's first half uh, situation was actually decent. It's just that overall, Unai yeah, Emery yeah. was compact. They figured it out. And when you have somebody like Arnaut Danjuma, who, by the way, has been <laughs> really good in this competition, then, you know, anything can happen. The, the fact is, and Michael, you can end it here. The fact is no Serie A team in the quarterfinals. That's... You know, for all the successes that we're talking about, how well Italian teams are doing, et cetera. And of course, we don't want to, you know, uh, SHIT on our own parade because we have the rights to the steady app. But <laughs> no Italian teams in the final eight is, is a big deal. Hey, what, what do the Italians do? That, that's what I found myself doing at the final whistle. This, I think it's twofold. This is because Serie A, for the first time in almost a decade, is competitive. These teams are going after each other week in and week out now playing big games every game or every other game is a big game because they're playing for champions league soccer or the title is competitive and that's going to take the wind out of your sails a bit that's going to tire you out juve is playing to get back in the title race kind of but they're playing for champion their champions league lives in the league to make sure they can have champions league soccer just to add season. something to that michael very quickly um you know uh, just to, to remind everybody since the turn of 2022 juventus have been the best team in Serie A. they got 22 points they've actually undefeated in the last 15 they've been doing really well i mean Villarreal, okay a team from another uh division but they're Villarreal, with all due respect it's not real madrid it's not even barcelona like how is it possible that you lose three nothing against you know a team that's uh you know not doing that high up jimmy you can jump in here i'm just i'm yeah, just yeah i just never, listen I get, I get that they they haven't lost at home and it was at to atalanta since november 27th it was a 1-0 mm. loss that's the last time they've lost at home things that's, were looking good yeah but think that's quite a significant amount of time plus they had a pretty successful transfer window all things considered and had to deal with some significant uh injuries and i'm looking at chiesa in particular i think that juve's issues are bigger than, than this particular season. When we look at the knockout round, since they signed Cristiano Ronaldo three years ago, they lost to Leon, they lost to Porto, they lost to Ajax, and they now lost to Villarreal. On paper, based on history, they should be better than all of those teams. And they just weren't. And so is that reflective of just this group of players or is this something bigger? That's something to take into consideration. Also, with Juve being one of the clubs that's spearheading a Super League, I will laugh my goddamn ass off when they get bounced <laughs> early in the future Super League, and then they're going to want to create a Super Super League so that only they can win it. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know what Juve's plan is, but I don't know if it's working out too well. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there definitely is, like, an element of poetic justice that it's uh, mm. sort of not one of the the real elite Spanish teams, uh, you know, that has, uh, that has dumped Juve out given their views on – you know, those smaller teams like, you know, the likes of Atalanta, you know, competing and, and having success in uh, in Europe. But I think, again, this brings me back to my point where, you know, this is a this is a new Juve. They're trying to to rejuvenate themselves uh, for, for want of a better word or not. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. It's uh, it's. 
it, it's you know they're, they're they're rebuilding themselves. There's no Paratici to oversee the transfer window anymore. Like I said, there's still quite a few players that they're either going to have to move on or move on from because there's still so many aging figures in that squad. Uh, you know, there's there's question marks over Dybala's future with his contract situation, yeah. and you know, despite his age, is he a player that Juve wants to try and build with moving forward? Chiesa, the injury, Jimmy's right. You know, hugely important given given how influential uh, he was. So you know, there's there's a lot of work to do and I think that it was only natural that you know Juve weren't suddenly going to get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo and just win the Serie A title you know go on a, a, a deep run in the Champions League and potentially go all the way and win it it's going to take time to to rebuild uh you know and now they've committed to Allegri they're going to have to do it his way yeah Michael wrap it up as Serie A teams no longer in the Champions League what, what do you make of it I think it's it's disappointing especially because of the excitement of Serie A action and how competitive Serie A is. Again, I, I thought Juve were going to have enough quality, especially with the chances they created. They should have put them to the sword in the first half. If they get a goal, Villarreal is a stingy team and they're a team of character who Villarreal, I think their, their game plan was to keep it nil-nil as long as possible, like they showed, and maybe get one goal. But the pressure is just mounting too much on Juventus to deliver in both the league and the Champions League. Mind you, the Champions League is still their most coveted trophy. And I think it's just too much for them right now, given the players that they have. Yeah, we will see if they can hold on to that fourth spot in the champion in Serie A in order to get Champions League for next season. Thank you so much for still being part of our show Wednesday. Kegolasso Champions League recap. By the way, we got a Paramount Plus $100 gift card to give you. Just give us your handle. Tell us what team you think is going to win the Champions League. And we will hopefully give it to you. I mean, amazing, right? All right, let's move on. Uh, actually, let's do this. Uh, let's quickly talk about the Premier League for a second. Uh, Tottenham winning uh, against Brighton. So Antonio Conte sort of uh, hopefully or luckily, or I don't know. I, I didn't see much of it, but I saw a good goal from Harry Kane. I think that's what I did. But, you know, they're still in contention, I guess, for a European spot. I guess not as much for the Champions League, but we don't know yet because Liverpool beat a very good Arsenal side that really should have gotten something out of it, but in the end, it didn't happen, and Liverpool win. And now that means, everybody, that Liverpool is one point behind Man City, and they're both playing against each other next month. Jimmy Conrad, the Premier League is getting exciting. I don't know, we're talking Champions League, but hey, look what Liverpool's no, doing. No, obviously, this is a <laughs> massive game, and, and if Arsenal can get back up to the Arsenal of old, then they would also, this would be like a Champions League game between two uh, decorated clubs. They're not at that level. And I think they were close. And, and they, they've been in a good run of form. They'd won five straight. But then you have Liverpool that has won eight straight games in all competitions and just absolutely cruising. And I think that Liverpool are just a little bit farther along in their timeline as opposed to Arsenal. Arsenal, I think, have identified who they want to be and how they want to play. Now they just have to continue to get better at that particular style and with that particular group of players. It didn't help that Ramsdale gave up a pretty soft goal at the near post on Jota. And it didn't help that after Jota scored, two minutes later, Jurgen Klopp's like, you know what? I'm going to bring on Firmino and Mo Salah now. Hopefully that's okay with everybody. And then Bobby Firmino scores a very excellent goal to put the game away. And I think it's just the quality that not only that Jurgen Klopp can start and bring off the bench, that has a little bit more, but just the experience as well. I mean, that's a team that knows what they're doing. They know how to get results. And now they're one point away from, from really, well, overtaking City. I mean, it didn't seem like it was possible 
maybe a month ago, but here we are, and it's, uh, it's all absolutely the play for. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. and, and really quickly about Spurs, they're not too far off of it, to be honest. I mean, they are on 48 points now without with this win. They're on 28 games. Arsenal on 27 games, only three points ahead of them. And then you have United and West Ham on 50 and 48, respectively. They've played 29. So Tottenham's still in the shout. Uh, in there with a shout to potentially qualify yeah, for especially because uh, JJ Arsenal will lose on Saturday anyway, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I hope so. Sadly, it's uh, probably too late for our European hopes now, especially after the result last weekend. But uh, no, uh, with regards to that, I mean, especially curious now to see what happens with United, um, you know, because if they are deflated from this Champions League exit, extremely underwhelming fashion, uh, you know, all credit to Atleti. I wasn't on to, to dissect that result yesterday, but, uh, you know, not surprised there that Simeone managed to dig out a result in a performance like that. Mm. But United now and, you know, sort of all the furore that has come with them uh, dropping out, there's going to be real pressure on them in the league. And, you know, they cannot afford to drop any points, uh, you know, and, and Spurs, if if Conte can get them to be performing consistently, you know, going to be snapping at their heels for the remainder of the season. I mean, I think for Arsenal, yeah, uh, you know, Jimmy's right with regards to Ramsdale. You know, it doesn't help, uh, you know, when that sort of goal breaks the ice. Uh, you know, and ultimately makes the difference in a game like that. I thought Arsenal gave a very good account of themselves, uh, you know, from uh, from the bits that I managed to, to tune in and uh, and catch. But I, I remember we were talking about this on, uh, on the pod maybe a month ago, where Liverpool just had to concentrate on their games in hand because I think they had a one or two matches ahead of uh, City. And if they could eat up those points, then there was a chance that City would, you know, maybe get a bit complacent or something like that uh, going back into the Champions League. And, you know, that's what's happened. And now it's, it's created this fantastic opportunity for a showdown, uh, you know, and I hope it's just going to live up to the billing because it really does, uh, you know, look like it's going to be really, really exciting to watch. I wish we could rewind i want to this is a shout out to one james conrad who is on this show i want to rewind to a comment that was made a week ago i don't remember which was yes amnesia <laughs> has a funny way of coming on the i retired due to concussions michael so, be gentle, be gentle. <laughs> so <laughs> i remember one james conrad saying that liverpool didn't stand a chance in lay premier league all those concussions must come from banging your head against the desk <laughs> with a really terrible view. oh my god no, well this is why we gave him another podcast michael yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but th- this is uh, the game that tipped the scales in liverpool's favor i thought yes city have been doing what they're doing but City's ultimate prize is the Champions League. It always has and it always will be. But it was the Leeds United game. That had a championship feel to it. That felt like the Liverpool that stormed to the title. That felt like the Liverpool team that almost won the title when City had that rec- record-breaking season. And it, it just felt like something changed in the air. That now there's goals not just coming from Salah, who's leading the league, still trying to get back to that form before AFCON. There's goals coming from Jota, Bobby Firmino coming off the bench. They're, they've just I mean, Luis Diaz is just a great oh. addition onto this oh. squad. Yeah. Love him. If, if you can start getting goals out of Luis Diaz, then you can compete on two fronts. Because Jota has proven to be a goal-scoring threat whenever he's in, whether coming off the bench or starting games. You, you now have a rotation. When, when did you ever think in years past you would be resting Mohamed Salah for a game against the Arsenal? At yeah. the Emirates. Yeah, it's true. 
Jamie? And, uh, no, sorry, keep going, buddy. Keep going. No, no just just to just to close out that thought. I yet of the three between Arsenal, Tottenham, and United, yeah, those games in hand, <laughs> they're yeah. bonus games. The fact that Arsenal is still knocking on the door, losing this match, you still you have to give the tide to Arsenal until they prove to be Arsenal. Yeah. No, that's fair. No, it's a good point. So I'm glad you reminded all of us about uh, myself, Michael. I'll be texting you later about that. I'm just yeah, kidding. I know. So, so, I'm just kidding. So, so what I'll say is you make a great point about Man City really just focusing on the Champions League, that they haven't climbed that mountain yet. They got close, obviously, last year. And very similar to when Liverpool lost in the final to Real Madrid, thanks to Loris Karius. What's up? Gareth Bale obviously scoring a fantastic goal that Ronaldo didn't want to celebrate with him, which is why. Why did he do that? Well, we know why he did that. He's Ronaldo. So, so, and it's not about him. It was about Bale. Anyway, these are all different tangents we can go off of, but we're going to stay on focus because I didn't retire due to concussions. I did retire due to concussions. I'm all over the place. So I'm just trying to make you guys laugh and be like, what's Jimmy doing? But you're right. That's a really good point. And, and, Liverpool is built. I mean, they have the experience to 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 go the distance. And and when City did set that record to win the league, Liverpool were right there. So that's probably a, a good shout. And now I feel like I want to change my mind. Thanks, Mike LaHood. <laughs> <laughs> I see the bubbles forming in the in the chat. I think I just sign off now. No, no, but it's it's a good point. But regardless of anything, one thing is abundantly clear: there is a Premier League title race, and it's going to be really great to see. What happens next month when both teams face each other? Very quickly, a men's against Dortmund. How did Giorena do in this one, Jimmy? Did you see any of it? Anybody? He had an assist. Yes, it was uh, the game-winning goal by Axel Witzel, and it was a game-winning assist off a set piece by Giorena. So a couple players in good form heading into this window. In soccer, we trust, and in these boys, we trust to help us qualify (laughs) for the World Cup. Very, very good. All right, listen, let's uh, finish up today, by the way, by uh, just quickly discussing... And by the way, Europa League action, of course. And don't forget, we've been talking about it as part of our Champions League preview, which also has our Europa League preview. So make sure you tune in to that one. And Michael LaHood has now turned into the Batman. Look how look, look, look at that shadow. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I, I know what it is. It's, it's those who have taken you hostage saying, All right, you have, <laughs> you have 10 minutes. Yeah, blink, blink twice if you're we're moving you to another <laughs> location. <laughs> Let's do. Let's do some fun thing here. By the way, Friday's draw. Uh, we have a live stream, Kigo Lasso live stream, starting at 6.45 Eastern. Uh, James Bench will be there, and it's fine for him because he's in Europe, but I will be there, obviously. But we'll have a you know, a cast. Hopefully, Michael LaHood will be part of it. We're going to have some guest uh, stars as well coming in to discuss as obviously we find out the Champions League draw for the quarterfinals. Let's have some permutations about this one. Uh, Jimmy, let's begin with you. And JJ, you jump. Michael, you go after that. I want to know, first of all, the team to avoid. What do you think out oh. of these eight? I mean, it, it gets tricky now because it's the it's the elite eight. It's the now we're really getting into the teams that really do belong to be here. Even Benfica, I'm talking about them as well. Who would be the team to avoid, do you think? Well, <laughs> that's a great question. Jeez. Uh, I guess via Real seems like a team you might want to avoid just because you know it's going to be a grind the whole time. Uh, I, I'm actually looking forward to this draw because I want to see Atletico Madrid play Real Madrid. I want to see Liber- Liverpool play Manchester City over two legs. Uh, I want to see Man City or or no Chelsea or Chelsea versus Bayern Munich or Man City. You know what? Let's change it. Liverpool and Chelsea. 
And then I want to see Man City versus Bayern over two legs. That would be a real treat. And then then Benfica Villarreal can fight it out for <laughs> that last semifinal spot. But that's a great, great question. You have a lot of teams in good form, feeling good about themselves, getting players that are getting healthy again. And this is going to be some cracking affairs in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely think that Benfica and Villarreal are probably the two teams that clubs are now looking at thinking like, well, we wanted them before, but not quite sure seeing yeah, as great that, you know, they've managed yeah, to pull off these results. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Benfica, the thing that was so is, is so interesting about them is if they're able to con- consistently soak up that kind of pressure uh, defensively as they were able to do, you look at that back line, it's really experienced. Otamendi, Vertonghen, uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, Grimaldo getting forward on the left. Uh, with, new, with somebody like Nunez up top, you only need that one chance across the two legs, keep things tight at the back, uh, you know, and suddenly they could be going a bit further than the quarterfinals. Ultimately, I think the road will probably end here for them. They'll probably end up getting somebody like a, a Bayern. Uh, again, they met in the in the group stage. But, uh, you know, I do think that that Villarreal uh, result will have raised a few eyebrows. Obviously, people will be looking at, you know, how it exploded in the final 12 minutes. But, you know, they are one of those sides that, you know, people, the, you know, the, the fellow coaches uh, will be looking at Unai Emery thinking like, well, maybe he's cracked the code. Maybe he's ready to step up from being a Europa League specialist to, to doing it on the Champions League stage as well. Michael? I I think, and I'm still salty about yesterday's game at Old Trafford, so I've got to get that <laughs> shot. I'm super. You can see the salt just oozing off my forehead. Um, but I'd say Atletico Madrid. I there, there There's a resurgence in form for them. And... The Champions League is that's a make or break competition for teams. Obviously, if you lose, you go home. If you win, it can turn your season around. And the resurgence of the rivalry between them and Barcelona for that last Champions League spot, that's galvanized them a bit and made them competitive. They're a team that thrives off competition and backs up against the wall. And I think that two front them competing in La Liga and them competing in Europe. I would not want to face them. If I'm City and Bayern, I, I just desperately want Benfica. I feel like Bayern's going to get Benfica because, well, they always do. But their group <laughs> stages, it seems like they're wedded to each other. And if you're City, gosh, you, you don't want to play anyone in your league because <laughs> you know the, the Premier League teams are going to be up for it. But I, my money goes to Atletico. This I I need a Madrid derby in this. Uh, I want that too. I, I like too. I need that Madrid derby. I need. I know it's happening in the league later on as well. I think it's in May, but I yeah. need it. And I'm with you, Jimmy. I need to see Tuchel against Club times two. I want to mm, see that. That would be nice. And I want to see Lewandowski against Man City. I want to mm. see that, especially over two legs too. Yes. The, they can. They can. They can. Re- that's a relax, right? But they can demonstrate a little bit more of their quality and not necessarily have to adhere to just sitting back, absorbing, whatever it is. They have to, at some point, stretch themselves out. I don't know. I guess we saw Villarreal and Benfica try to do that, and, and it worked. So I, I, I could <laughs> be proven wrong. But. All right, then. Given who we've been talking about, why don't we flip the question now and say, who does everyone want to draw? Because in my opinion, the team that everyone wants to draw is Real Madrid, despite the way they knocked PSG mm. out. Because I think... Ultimately, over those two legs, there was only half an hour where Real really looked capable of going through. Interesting. Interesting. Benzema doesn't scare you? There's something... I mean, Benfica and Villarreal are probably the obvious choices. But I would say that... Just on paper, but but man, there's something about the inferiority complex in this competition with Man City that that intrigues Mm. me. And, And 
maybe yeah. you could if you could score first against them and they could start to get that doubt then Pep starts to over tinker with his lineups and his tactics and it doesn't work because I think there are they are a team that I think you can outmuscle at times right I mean they try to keep the ball mm-hmm. on the ground and even though they for the most part dodge and, and and are so good at just keeping the ball you can't even get close to them to be physical I think there's some teams and Bruce Dortmund did it I think last year right over two legs where they they tried to play and they also were physical with them and it wasn't something that I thought uh, City handled very well, despite the fact that they got through. Yeah, I, it's this is a difficult one. And uh, Michael, feel free to conclude it here uh, in terms of that question from Jonathan Johnson, because the team that you want to face is almost the, the I just think that it's about who has the least dangerous offensive line. Who is the one that's going to scare me the least up front? Real Madrid's a good point, but. Benzema scares the hell out of me if I'm like somebody else. Darwin Nunez did his thing uh, in the previous game against Ajax, but I I have to go with Benfica. I just think that, Hmm. you know, ultimately everybody else has a striker or an offensive player that scares the bejesus out of me. I I agree with you. I think there's going to be – everyone's running to the gas station trying to buy the Benfica sweepstakes. Yeah. Maybe not Man City because they don't even have a striker, but they do have offensive (laughs) trios. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're they're proving so far that you don't need a striker to to be at the top. But ultimately, in the Champions League, you do need someone that resembles a striker. And and Chelsea proved that a little bit the other way with Kai Havertz reinventing himself as a striker. Now – you still have to have a focal point who can provide goals and assists and city. They have goals by committee. They share the goals, but I think Benfica, the greatest trick they played on champions league soccer was against Ajax in the first leg. Ajax had them and they just did not put them away. And those two goals. And that really, that last goal is what breathed life back into the tie. And it was was a dominant Ajax display, but similar with you, babe, you don't put, your opponent away at this point in Champions League competition. Every team is good enough to knock you out. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, do this, everybody. Thank you so much for being part of our show. Let's do final thoughts uh, about anything. Could be the Champions League. Uh, in soccer, we trust maybe uh, some Premier League ideas. I'll I'll stick with the Champions League thing. I guess, you know, this is now the situation. Friday's draw comes. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. The fixtures, because now it's the nitty gritty. All I want is a Madrid derby. That's my final. That's all I want. I really, I really need to see that. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, final thoughts. Oh, I'm just uh, delighted that we've still got some Europa League action this midweek before That's going right. into the weekend. Mm-hmm. Plenty mm-hmm. of good games. Uh, I think we chatted about them earlier in the week in in one of the previews. But obviously, I'm going to have my my Betis shirt on, hoping that they do the business against uh, Frankfurt. Got my fingers crossed for Monaco against Braga, but I ultimately think that they'll be crashing out. But Lyon against Porto, that, that mm-hmm. one could be really important for the league and clubs. Obviously, Lyon in the lead uh, on aggregate, but some great games like uh, all across the board, West Ham, Sevilla uh, and uh, Leverkusen, Atalanta as well. So much to look forward to tomorrow. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Kind of curious to see which version of Barcelona shows up in Istanbul Mm. against Galatasaray, knowing that they have El Clasico on the weekend. So I'm curious to see what Xavi does with his lineup and that one as he looks forward. And then I just want to say that there were 16 games in the round of 16. I tweeted this out. Only four games did the home team win out of 16 in the round of 16 of the Champions League. That is pretty wild, and it makes me feel like the away goals didn't even really matter, whether they had them or not. (laughs) Yeah, Michael? I I loved that you ended with away goals. I'm still baffled 
that there aren't away goals. I, I love the away goals. I miss the away goals. Um, <laughs> and I wish, as a bitter United fan, they had away goals to look forward to. <laughs> at Old Trafford. Stop, stop on my rant. I know, I know. I'm going to, ther- to Kegel Lasso Therapy next week. But um, I'm, I'm looking forward to how that affects these latter stages. Typically, we've seen the quarterfinals and semifinals decided by away goals in Champions League competition, in the history of the competition. So, you know, we'll see how it unfolds. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I feel like it's a rule that doesn't make sense, but it does make sense for the entertainment purposes, uh, of course, in that situation. But anyway, that is our Kegolasso Champions League uh, recap. Uh, now all moving ahead to Friday's draws. We'll find out the quarterfinal matchups. Don't forget, we are going to be there live. So make sure to join us. Stay with us on YouTube.com forward slash Kigo Lasso. And by the way, I hope that you dropped in your handle and as well as the team that you wanted to win the Champions League. We have this like Paramount Plus gift cards to give away. Some of you are just too lazy. Get on it. Come on now. But uh, thank you so much, everybody. Jimmy Conrad, good luck in Soccer We Trust. Debuts tomorrow. Jimmy, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Jonathan Johnson, get some sleep. I know it's late for you. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Always a pleasure being up late with you. Absolutely. Up the villa. Michael, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, you're very welcome. And uh, I'll be tweeting my location so you guys can come get me <laughs> and, uh, after the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please, please. Somebody help Michael and save him. I don't know where, he, where oh, he's at. Oh, man. I know, Jimmy, Jimmy I'm, I'm relying on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Gary Matheson is I'm going to leave you there after that comment of bringing up all stuff. <laughs> Actually, you, you're at Jimmy's house, I think. I, think that's I can't confirm or deny any rumors. Thanks for having me, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Have a great yeah. evening. Kegolasso Pod on Twitter, Kegolasso, wherever you listen to your pods, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. Have a great evening. We'll see you next time. Till then. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.